You're listening to the Theology Mom podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. Hey, everyone. We're back. We are back. This is all the things. This is the show where we uh, put on makeup on Saturday night. (laughs) (laughs) Very little, but you know a little bit. (laughs) And sit in front of cameras so that we can talk to people. And we look forward to uh, talking about your questions. I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. And I am Monique Dusan. My dot com is still pending. Yes. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, we, you still have just as much value in uh, creating the image of God. So, but a dot com might put me a little closer to heaven. <laughs> there it is. Um, so this week on the show, since, you know, we don't back down from controversy. Hey, why, why don't we talk about abortion? There we go. Yeah. Just kick it right on out of the gate. That's right. So we're going to talk about the unplanned movie yeah. and views in, uh, process and transition and all of those things so um we have an interview to play back that we did earlier this week with our friend Lori stewart from women in apologetics yeah she's the president she is the president uh talking about the unplanned movie you've seen it i have you have some opinions i do (laughs) so we'll talk you know me you know i have an opinion at least one (laughs) yes well uh, Firmly held, I can tell you that. That is true. And uh, so we're going to talk about Unplanned and got a couple of the things to um, run by everyone. But we do want to invite you to join in the conversation, to uh, join us in the live chat box there on YouTube. My daughter is monitoring the chat, so keep it clean. If you don't, she'll throw you out. Just like that. Yes. (laughs) So post your question there on God, the Bible, or real life. Hey, Abby, wave to everyone. So everyone knows what you're doing. There she is at her desk. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to introduce, we have a brand new camera here, and we're going to go right to it in three, two, one. Here we go. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Up close and life. personal. <laughs> there you are. Just, <laughs> just like that. Very cool. All right. So if I have anything important to say, I'll just jump in there so or you could just jump in with your jokes (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right hey before we get started wanted to tell our friend juad yes that go ahead yes you take it away all right next week we haven't forgotten about you a few weeks ago he uh had a great uh question and i think it's appropriate for easter Mm -hmm. since easter is coming um talking about the sacrifice of jesus and how is the idea of Jesus kind of being a human sacrifice, if you will, compatible with the Christian worldview? So I finally um, got someone booked. We have a very special guest coming on, and he'll be on the live stream next week. So we will be focusing on Easter themes, and that will be one of our questions out of the gate. So we want to let Juad know that uh, we haven't forgotten about you, and we're just um, taking extra steps to really make sure that we give your question um careful attention due diligence yes Yes, due diligence yeah so so let's talk about uh abortion let's do do a little bit of a setup here yeah so um it's been in the news uh a lot there's been a lot of conversations about states kind of revisiting abortion laws late-term abortions very timely and then out comes this movie unplanned kind of like snuck up on me i didn't even know it was out I'm like oh okay so there it is yeah so it's um we're going to talk about it with Lori, 
but you've seen it so i'm gonna we're gonna save your comments and commentary until after we watch the playback awesome with Lori. but we do want to let everyone know that they can go ahead and jump in the chat box and we'll talk more about it and process it all together perfect when we come back from the interview so we're going to play this interview with uh laurie stewart right now and uh she's a for former uh pro-choice feminist uh she's an attorney and um she does uh some law even uh related to uh religious freedom and her and her husband are both involved in the uh, preserving laws for religious freedom and freedom of expression. So she's got some good things to say. So we're going to check this out. It was, we recorded this earlier this week uh, with our friend Lori Stewart from Women in Apologetics. Let's roll the tape. Okay, so here we are on tape, but we are going to be joined by our friend Lori Stewart, who is the president of Women in Apologetics. She's also an attorney and a pretty swell lady pretty swell yes. i like that word yes and also uh i think i can use this term Lori. uh you used to be a pro-choice feminist would that be okay would that be appropriate definitely yeah that that's accurate okay and we're going to talk about the movie unplanned which is getting a lot of press right now as of this recording i just checked box office mojo it's made 13 million dollars so far mm. which is pretty decent for kind of a lower budget Christian-ish film. Um, this conversation will include spoilers. So if people don't want to know anything about the film, now's the time to hit the uh, mute button or the fast forward button because we will be talking about spoilers. But um, Lori, maybe you can, uh, for those people who haven't yet seen the film, just give us a little synopsis uh, of what the film is about. Sure. This is a true story. It's about... Abby Johnson, who was the youngest Planned Parenthood abortion clinic director, and she also was employee of the year, and had a moment at her job where I think that she describes it in the movie as about 10 minutes that changed her life. And she goes from being pro-choice to pro-life very quickly and makes a radical change and leaves Planned Parenthood. And... Parent, Planned Parenthood come after her, so but it has it has a good ending. Biopic would maybe be the genre, and it, it but it is a true story of yes, it's based Abby on Johnson's. Abby Johnson's book called Unplanned. Very good. Mm -hmm. So the idea of I'm imagining kind of a play on words of an unplanned pregnancy, but also Planned Parenthood being um, a, a critical part of the story. Yes, and I think the unplanned moment where she has. Um, an awakening. I think I think it probably re refers to all of those things. Okay. Now, um, I'm curious in your journey as a feminist, um, tell us a little bit about your stand. Uh, you you were pro-choice at uh, in the past in your life, and I'm just curious. Like, could you identify with aspects of Abby Johnson's journey? Absolutely. In the movie, Abby Johnson is, she grows up in a Christian home and she's part of a church. Her parents are uh, solid believers. Her husband's a Christian. And when she gets involved with Planned Parenthood first as a volunteer, escorting patients from their car to the clinic to try to shelter them from the protesters, uh, her family was not very supportive. And so they were always challenging her on how, how can you be participating in this when life matters? 
Um, but I can understand because I grew up in a Christian home as well and considered myself a Christian from the time I was eight years old. But I wasn't really walking with the Lord, I think, from the time I was a teenager and through, through my college years. Definitely was not walking with the Lord. And I still remember about the time of Roe versus Wade coming out in 1973, that decision. I remember being very influenced by a movie I watched on TV showing back alley abortions and being so afraid that any woman would ever have to endure a back alley abortion. I became pro-choice probably at the tender age of what, eight or nine, uh, just when I saw that movie because it scared, it scared the bejeebies out of me. <laughs> So when you came to faith, um, you went on your own journey out of being pro-choice. In, in this movie, there was sort of a critical moment where that happened for Abby Johnson. Maybe you can just kind of describe that a little bit. Sure. And this is the spoiler alert. But if you watch the trailer, you will get an idea what this film is about. And quite honestly, I think even if you know what this movie is about, even all the spoilers, I don't think it's going to take away from the impact of the movie. It's a very, very well-made movie, well-written, well-directed, well-acted. Uh, I just think it was a, a brilliant movie. You know, I come from a, a, a film and theater background. I don't know if you remember that, Krista. Uh, my, my bachelor's degree is in theater arts, and so I actually dabbled a little bit in film and television commercials. So, I mean, I can say just in terms of a, a, a film, this has incredible value. It was very well done. Okay, so um, the 10 minutes. Well, uh, Abby Johnson is a clinic director, so she doesn't really perform abortion. She just runs a clinic. But she is asked to come and assist in an abortion, and it is an ultrasound-guided abortion. And in the process of her holding the ultrasound and trying to keep her eyes on the ultrasound so that the doctor who needs the ultrasound to guide him to do the abortion procedure, she becomes fixated on the image on the ultrasound. And she actually sees the, the fetus squirming and moving and fighting like to get away from the vacuum tube that has been inserted in her to remove the very life from this woman's body. And as she just, she, she cannot move, she's just glued to the screen. And as soon as, and it's pretty graphic, there's a lot of blood and tissue. You actually do see the fetus being sucked into the vacuum, I mean, like right before your eyes through, through the ultrasound. And then, of course, you have other images of blood and tissue going through the tubes and then into kind of a lack of a better word, like a toxic contamination barrel. Uh, so it's it's very disturbing as it's meant to be. So I think if you're not disturbed from those images, um, you know you have to ask yourself why. And she runs out of the room, runs to the bathroom, crying as like she has had an awakening moment. And I think what what Abby says in her story is she always bought the lie that the fetus doesn't feel any pain. And that's what she used to counsel women who were considering abortions is the fetus doesn't feel anything. So it's there's nothing to, to worry about. It's there's nothing to fear. And when she saw the embryo fighting and moving, like squirming as it was trying to get away from the pain of this vacuum, she said, she realized it was a person. It now moved over into the realm of humanity. I think powerful. that uh, it is powerful. Yeah. And 
I think that it's interesting. This movie comes along at kind of this cultural moment that we're ha having where the discussion is being reengaged about abortion and late term abortions. There's even been some conversation in the media about even what I would qualify as being infanticide, where babies can be um, terminated even after they're out of the birth canal, which is hard for me to even um, relate to. But um, some one review I read is that that pivotal moment that you just described in the movie is almost like Uncle Tom's cabin for slavery. This movie is changing the conversation and people are going and and it 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 has the potential to change minds mm -hmm. thinking back to your pro-choice days what do you think you would have thought about this movie yeah that's a good question um i think i probably would have found it disturbing uh, um when i was pro-choice my position was I didn't think abortion was right, but I didn't want to legislate morality for everybody else. That was really my position. So even though it, I was, quote, pro-choice, I personally wasn't in favor of abortion, but what I just wasn't in favor of legislating anything to uh, prevent women from getting abortions. And I think that there are other people that are like me that are out there that call themselves pro-choice, and it just is their perspective in terms of legislation, thinking, well, we shouldn't be legislating morality. But, you know, now that I'm a lawyer, Krista, I realize all laws are based on morality. All of them. It's just a question of whose morality are we going to base our laws on? So, you know, it will, even if we have traffic laws, they're, they're based on some sense of right and wrong or, um, and so there's a basis in morality. And so whether you decide that you think abortion's morally right or morally wrong, the question really is, do we have an ethical obligation to protect innocent life? And that's what this is. Abortion is, and I think what this movie opens our eyes to see is a couple of things. One, abortion is really the taking of an innocent life of a, of another human being. And two, I think you get to see what a powerful, incredible, um, organized mach machine the plant parenthood has been, although it's not invincible. Lori, I resonate with so much of what you're saying in the idea that, you know, I don't necessarily believe abortion is right, but I don't want to put my beliefs off on someone else. Like that was a view that I held for a very long time. And I have, I think even wrestled with, you know, what does this look like today in preparing for, you know, our time now I I've wrestled, I was telling Krista earlier, you know, this has really stirred up some emotion for me. And I'm, I, what I thought I was firm on, I'm now like feeling in my heart, like, Oh, you know, here's this, this topic again. What do you say or what would you say to someone who would say, but what about my choice? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't plan for this. And, you know, I also should have a say in what happens in in my body. Mm -hmm. Well, a couple of things at first, I, you know, I think back to my upper division genetics class when I was an undergraduate at Cal State Fullerton. Boy, I wish I could get my hands on that textbook because even though I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time in my life, I knew enough just from the science that was being taught us about genetics 
to realize that for a baby to be born is a miracle. Just in terms of science and biology and physiology and genetics, babies should not be born. There's so many things that should go wrong in the womb. So for a baby to be born, you know, with two arms and two legs and 10 toes and two eyes is absolutely a miracle. So number one, I, I mean, just, I think the science will support that life is a miracle. The turning point for me came, um, you know, a after I surrendered my life to, to following Christ, and this was like, gosh, back at probably in my mid to late twenties, then I went through a series of you know, just unfortunate events in my own life that led me back to church and back to my knees. And I realized I just made a mess of my life trying to make decisions and reason through things on my own. I, I really needed the truth of God to be able to see the world and started radically changing my point of view. And on this issue of abortion, this was one of the hardest things for me to let go of. Because even when I surrendered my life to following God and I read the Bible and believed it was true and was really radically trying to change my life to conform to the truth of scripture, I still was hanging on to my pro-choice notions. And I would still have discussions with my fellow believers about how not legislating morality. And this is what I would say to people who are not really sure is to keep seeking the truth and be open to letting God show you the truth because that's where I was. I was open and I kept saying, Lord, if I'm wrong, I want you to show me that I'm wrong, but you need to show me. Otherwise, I, I, I still think I'm you know, right in my position. And God met me in a very unlikely place to show me that truth when I was not even expecting it it's a long story, but, um, so I think God will show up. If you seek him, he, you will find him. And if you're asking for the truth, he will show you the truth. But you have to be willing then to conform your life to the truth. There's a difference between someone who is, um, a, a real skeptic and what I call a scoot, a pseudo skeptic. I mean, real skeptics, I think just don't know, but they're willing to believe they're, they're willing to believe if they could be persuaded or shown one way or another, whether it's clearing away the intellectual obstacles, whether it's clearing away the emotional doubt, whatever it is, healing the hurt and pain. But there are, you know, just certain things that I think we have to do as Christians to open ourselves up to following the truth. The pseudo skeptics are not really skeptics. They're just hard boiled skeptics, they call themselves the skeptics, but they've already made up their mind and they're not going to change their mind even if you give them the evidence for it. And we see that going all the way back in scriptures that even when uh, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and many of the uh, Jewish leaders saw the truth of who Jesus was, they refused to believe it. In fact, they wanted to kill him. So we have to be open to seeking the truth and then be willing to conform our lives to that truth. Good answer. I, 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 not good answer, but I, I think that that is a solid and a strong answer. And it makes me think of um, how I, as a Christian, have shown up for others who have been in this situation um, and what that has, you know, spoken um, either in, you know, skepticism or in belief, you know, whatever the, the situation is. And, um, as you as you were speaking, the question that popped into my mind then was, how do we or what would you say to 
the Christian woman who might be in a position of supporting or being in relationship with someone who is considering abortion or who has already had an abortion. Yeah, those are tough situations. I, you know, let me just first say I, I haven't had an abortion, but for the grace of God, there go I, because uh, I was very sexually active from a young age. And so that, that I could have been, um, you know, Abby Johnson, who, by the way, admitted to having a couple of abortions um, before she actually has her turning point movie that they show in the movie Unplanned. But I have people close to me that have had abortions, and I have um, been there when they've gone through some of uh, that, that turmoil. And I, I think that the thing you want to do is make sure, number one, that you love on people. It is so important that when anyone is feeling afraid and, they ha- and they're wrestling with very difficult decisions, no matter what it is in their life, that number one, we demonstrate love. Because when people are afraid, they will often make poor choices out of their fear. And so I, I encourage people to just pour out love on those people that find themselves afraid. If there are people of faith, is to reassure them, number one, that God is always with them, no matter what. And if you can help to keep them focused on Christ and, how, and what he is doing even in this situation, that might be, quote, unplanned, that there are really no accidents, that you know, our God is a sovereign God and nothing happens that he hasn't allowed. I'm not going to say he, he caused it, but I, you know, there's nothing that happens that he doesn't allow and he can bring good things from even bad situations. You know, I had a radical turning point even in my pro-life view on this issue once I moved away from being pro-choice which really is just pro-abortion, um, when I met Rebecca Kiesling, who is an outspoken advocate for the pro-life movement, she was um, born, her mom almost aborted her uh, because she was born of rape. Her mother was raped and her mom ended up giving birth to her. And now she has this powerful ministry and she talks about no exceptions. She believes we should have no exceptions to our views on abortion because I used to say, well, what about the health of the mother if her life's in danger or, you know, in the case of rape? And she's like, no, God can bring even beautiful things from those situations if we let him. And, you know, there's so many pictures in the scripture about God bringing life from death and beauty from ashes. If we put our trust in God, he can make all things new and all things right and beautiful. Thank you so much for speaking to that because two of my questions and in conversations that I have with friends is, you know, well, what about if the mother's life is at risk? What if, you know, the child isn't seen as being viable even after birth? Um, Or what if, you know, the mother is raped? Why does the mother need to keep this baby? Or, you know, nothing good can come from rape. And I think that that speaks directly to the possibility that all things are possible, that God really can turn something that is negative and seen as negative into something that is beautiful. And I think it, for me, the issue of abortion really comes down to one question, and that is, 
is the baby a human person? And that for me is the critical issue is if it is a human person, then it has value, dignity, and worth because it's created in the image of God. And as a human person, we have an obligation as Christians to protect the, the vulnerable, the innocent. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a hard issue, but I think that some of the ways that we haven't shown up well in the past as Christians on this issue, I think we're changing, we're doing better. Um, mm-hmm. When people have unplanned pregnancies, now there's churches who, res- who support pregnancy resource centers. Mm-hmm. Um, the church I just visited last weekend in Texas, they were collecting things for their local PRC for a baby shower. And that was their big Easter project mm-hmm. as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing better at mm-hmm. supporting coming around women um, rather than just condemning them. Yes. Um, we're doing better, I think, at making our case. And, uh, you know, I, I think that some people change their mind in a moment, like Abby Johnson. Mm-hmm. Other people go through changes over time. And it's a combination of experience and reason mm-hmm. and research and science and all of these things come together as they Mm -hmm. go on their own personal journey. Mm -hmm. But I definitely want to make sure that we don't leave this segment without saying a word to abortion survivors, the women Mm -hmm. who have have had abortions. And I want to make sure that we have a strong word of grace Mm -hmm. for them that um, I have not walked that journey in my life, but I've known many women who have. And I think that some Christian women would be shocked at how many women are in their women's Bible study that have walked that journey. And um, if people, if, if you're a a dad who, who lost a child through abortion, or if you're a mom who aborted or you're a grandparent, there's resources available. If you just go to your local pregnancy resource center, they have small groups, support groups that can help you work through your grief, help you get Mm -hmm. to forgiveness Um, Mm -hmm. and really help you learn about your identity in Christ and that there's Mm -hmm. grace for that. So we want to have a full-orbed pro-life position. We don't want to just argue for the baby. We want to argue for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want to give you a final word here, Lori. Oh, well, you know, I just want to say that life is a gift from God. There is one ultimate life giver and that's God because he breathed the first life into humankind. When he created Adam and Eve, he breathed his life into us. And so he was the ultimate first life giver and he has now made us to be life givers. When men and women come together, we create babies and we make new life. So um, even though a woman has is carrying a child in her body instead of thinking this as, well, she has the right to determine whatever she wants to do with that child she's carrying to think, wow, I have been blessed to be carrying new life that the creator, the ultimate life giver of this universe has deemed me worthy to carry another child. So I think we can radically change the way that we look at children. I think that we have to 
look at the way we look at children, the way we look at babies, the way we look at pregnant mothers as being very valuable in our society, even working mothers as being very valuable to our society. All, there's so many di- dynamics that go into kind of the shame that we have had in our culture for the last, I'll say, you know, 40 years, ever since Roe versus Wade came out, where we just push pregnant women into kind of this shameful corner, whether you're married or unmarried, whether it's wanted or unwanted. And we can, we can do a lot better at being able to value the creation of life. And remember, ultimately, that it's all a gift from God and that every life really is a miracle from him. Good. I want to let people know about Women in Apologetics. Once again, our guest is Lori Stewart. She's the president of Women in Apologetics. And we want to encourage everyone to go get connected there. Check out the resources and all of my friends and extended acquaintances who are there on the website, really uh, just women who are working in the realm of apologetics in various ways. So mm-hmm. thank you, thank Lori. You. Well, thank, thank you, you, Chris and Monique. It's been great spending time with you yeah, both. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. And we're back live. We want to thank our friend Lori Stewart for talking to us. And now, Monique, you've seen the, film, seen the film since that interview. Yes, I went yesterday and I saw it. And okay. I sat there for the whole hour and 50 minutes, every minute. <laughs> And I have not seen the film because I am highly visually sensitive yeah. and I just knew like, I, I can't do this. I will, it will replay like a tape in my mind for a long time. So I have to be very careful what I see in movies, but you went and you saw it and I think it'll be good because you kind of have some different thoughts about it than, than Lori did. I so, do. and that's all the things that's what yeah. this show is. Yes. So let's let's talk about some of your thoughts about it um i think i can start off just saying i thought there was a lot of things added for shock value and i wondered like how many times does this actually happen like is it an actual representation or was she abby johnson just pulling out some of the more um horrific things that happened in her experience that could also be the filmmakers i mean as a filmmaker i can tell you that when you're doing a biopic and you're putting something together um sometimes you you do select out Mm -hmm. uh, you know what what happens in people's lives it's it's not a linear narrative so that could be her or it could be the filmmakers okay and that makes sense i guess i also then struggled with like this thing of is that an accurate representation of Planned Parenthood and people who are pro-choice would, if they were to see the film, would that make them say, oh, this is why, you know, you can't trust those pro-life people because this doesn't really happen. This is just their depiction of it. So for you, it was a question of how accurate was the depiction of Planned Parenthood? That was a question that was lingering in your mind as you were watching it how typical is this in the day-to-day life yes. of a Planned Parenthood clinic? Yes. Um, and is this what we call in logic a, a, a fallacy of the straw man? Like, yeah. did the filmmakers just kind of prop up an image of Planned Parenthood that would be easily knocked down? You know, that we're going to have this visceral reaction to it of like, that's horrible. 
and kind of villainizing Planned Parenthood. Your question is, is how accurate is that? Exactly. And because, and I'll be honest, I have a lot of friends who have had abortions and I mean, you know, please don't judge me or my friends, but I do, I have, I have friends who have had abortions and they've never come out saying, oh, that time when I almost died or, you know, this waiting room full of people that come into recovery and they just prop you up basically and leave you to linger and either recover or die. It just didn't seem that I'm like, "Mm, there's something about this that just doesn't feel right for me in how realistic this may be. And and again, like I'm not a pro Planned Parenthood person. I just was also trying to take a step back and look at things from both sides. Well, I think um, from a standpoint of maybe we could characterize it as a standpoint of defending the faith of apologetics. Like one of the things that I think is very important when Christians are out there in public spaces talking about our faith is that we represent people who differ with us in a fair and accurate way. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I try to do, not to say that I'm always successful at it, but in my heart, what I try to do is represent viewpoints that I differ with fairly and accurately so that if somebody who held that point of view watched my talk back they would say i didn't agree with your opinion but you did represent my group my religion my worldview accurately like when my brother watched back my talk on lds theology he said that was the best explanation by a historical protestant that i've ever watched it was it was accurate yes you represented my religion accurately yes and that's what i'm always wanting that's what i call the golden rule of apologetics um i'm borrowing that term from uh bob passantino back in the late 90s uh early 90s late 80s i heard him use that term and it's basically we want to represent other people. We want to treat their positions the way we would want our positions to yes. be treated, fairly and accurately. Yes. So for you, the question was, is Planned Parenthood being treated fairly and accurately, or is this like a borderline propaganda film? Yes. That was a question in your yeah. mind. Okay. That was that was one of them. Um, the other thing was, I didn't see in the movie, and this isn't to like just be a movie critique, but... I didn't see what the Christians were doing aside from praying. And I think that that is really important to know, like, it's not just about prayer. Prayer is important and they have statistics to show that when people pray, you know, rates of abortions go down and things like that. But what else are we doing? Like, how are we surrounding women who are faced with the the possibility of abortion? Or could we say, how, what are we doing to help support women who are in difficult pregnancies that where abortion starts looking appealing? Like a, yeah. It, it starts looking like a viable alternative. What are we, and I think the question you're asking is, how pro-life are we yeah, as what's Christians? What's our responsibility? Okay. You know, because I, I, look at, I look at that, and then I also look at things like, um, and I will be completely honest Internet world, hello, this is me being honest. I don't, I wonder what our responsibility is. And like in in instances of rape, are we 
morally, I guess we are asking if a woman were to get pregnant because of rape for her to walk out, you know, nine months with a reminder of rape in her body. And I struggle with that. Just being honest, morally, do I think that rape is wrong? I mean, that abortion is wrong. Yes. And I think there's this thing in me that still is, what is the word, juxtapose? <laughs> like it's I'm, a conflict. Yeah, it, there's there's a conflict of how do we do this? And especially in my work in social work, I have worked with 12-year-olds, you know, who have been raped and conceived. And so how, not just how do we, but what is, do we have a responsibility? Does the church have a responsibility then to circle around girls or women who are walking this out? How pro-life do we really want to be? Or is it just okay to have a political position to say abortion is wrong, my hands are now off, and good luck. I think that's a very provocative point because sometimes I think the conversation does stop at an ideological position of, well, abortion is murder. But then we're faced as Christians with the practicality of how do we come around these people who are walking through a difficult pregnancy? Are we doing things to stand for the life of the mother, to stand for the life of the child. What what are we doing to help meet their physical needs, their emotional needs, their psychological needs, um, so that allowing that child to come to term uh, and be born and have a life becomes um, something that's more appealing than terminating the life. Mm-hmm. So very that's a very provocative question um i think uh, one of our our um, viewers asked the question linda she's asked what about uh what if you've already made a mistake in other words i'm, I'm guessing what linda's talking about is what if you've already had an abortion um and we shared a little bit of our thoughts about that with Lori, but i was curious what you thought i think that if you have had an abortion there is grace there is forgiveness, there is love. Um, I think that any abortion leads and lends to a story that can be shared with someone else um, that can offer hope to a woman who may be in that or may have already gone through that. But there's no condemnation in in it like in in moving beyond it yeah i don't know if i'm being yeah clear. and i think that the abortion isn't the end of the story yes um that the thing about what we are saying as christians is that all of us have made mistakes mm-hmm. all of us have made missteps all of us have have had moments of decisions that we we look back upon and wish we could have that moment back. Mm-hmm. But God has a can have a way of redeeming that and bringing wholeness to us. And I think the the most important thing for people to know is that there's grace and that there's forgiveness from the Lord and we don't want to um, characterize this conversation in 
frame it up in a way of condemnation. Yes. That we are pro-life, but we're not just pro-life for the, the child. We're also pro-life for the woman and bringing about wholeness and, and healing um, no matter what's happened mm-hmm. there. And um, the Lord has grace that abounds for yeah. all of us because we all need that. Mm-hmm. I think abortion is uh, so stigmatized. And it quite honestly, it affects more more Christian women than I think than we realize. Yes. And I think I said that in the interview. You know, I think a lot of people would be surprised at how many women in their small groups have had abortions. Have had abortions. Yeah. And we have to keep that in our mind when we're in this conversation to um, be aware of that, to understand that. One of the other things you mentioned in the interview was um, men and how abortion affects men. And I think that's rarely talked about. You know, I know men on both sides of the fence who have, you know, been like, oh, no, I don't. I don't want my girlfriend to have an abortion. Another guy who's like, I encourage my girlfriend to have an abortion. And just understanding that they also walk a road. And what is that road for them? And how do we circle around them and love them um, through the heartache and grief of, you know, wanting to see their child come to term and their significant other at the time saying, you know, no. Um, Or... I, I know someone who encouraged an abortion and after it happened, then regretted it, you know, and the pain and, and there's grace for that, that comes with that. Yeah. And there's grace for that too. Yeah. So it's a good conversation. Um, my teenager, uh, wasn't as enthused about this conversation. I, I don't know if my husband wants to say anything, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's just, it's a very hard hard discussion and we know that it's emotional for some people there's a lot of there's so taking many sides. thoughts yeah. about it and so many aspects to the yeah, discussion where do you land and if i talk about this in my church and i say that i am pro-choice then you know what are people gonna say and um you know if i'm pro-life but only you know but like when there's rape you know what do you do i don't really know how to discuss that and it just it i think abby your daughter is is right like this is a heated conversation and who really wants to go down that road but i think that it's important for us to go down that road because if we don't then what then people are just kind of left where they are yeah that's good uh I'm looking at my husband. I don't know if he's going to wait. I can't tell from your body language if you're going to do something there or not. So I'm just eager to use the new camera. No, sorry. I don't have anything to contribute <laughs> here. <laughs> That's all right. So That's okay. You guys are handling it really well. Okay. All right. Good. Well, um, as we kind of wrap up the show, and I do want to encourage everyone to continue to, to comment if you're watching uh, right now. And uh, I wanted to kind of end out the hour with something a little bit on the lighter side. Um, that is my sister-in-law uh, a couple of weeks ago, since we were dark last week, I didn't get to do this, but a couple of weeks ago in Dallas, she got selected from the audience. My brother uh, screamed from the uh, orchestra pit <laughs> to Michael Buble while he was on stage to uh, that my, my sister-in-law would, would sing for everyone in Dallas. So in front of 15,000 fans, this happened. All right, hold on here. I got to 
cool moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I can do it. No, that was very cool. Uh, Nikki is, uh, she's a stay-at-home mom, but she loves to sing. And before she had uh, my nephew, she would uh, often do like coffee houses Mm -hmm. and different kinds of things. So it was just really fun for her to get to sing for Michael Buble. And he even tweeted out a picture of of my my brother and sister-in-law. That's cool. And uh, it was was very fun. But And it was fun to like blast it. I was trying to, um, I blasted on Twitter and it's like, hey, you know, she needs to be on The Voice because I just think she's awesome. But it made me think about this is how exciting it was Mm -hmm. to that Nikki... Um, was singing for Michael Buble and how awesome of a moment that was for her personally because he's like one of her favorite artists. Um, and also, and I, I got their permission to to share this whole story, but uh, it made me w- think about the fact that our Heavenly Father knows our name, hmm. that, that we are kind of um, known by the father and it's fun to think about a star knowing our name and knowing who we are and seeing us yeah. and and for nikki's talent to be seen for those those two or three minutes of, of singing uh, in front of michael buble but but the reality is is that all of us are known by our heavenly father and he sees all of us and he sees all of our creativity and all of our gifts that he has given to us and it it made me think about the verse um in matthew i have here of matthew chapter 10 it says jesus says are not two sparrows sold for a penny yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care even the very hairs of your head are all numbered so don't be afraid. You are worth far more than the sparrows. Amen. And I just thought that's such a good thought because I was thinking about a worship song um, that, you know, our father knows us. Mm-hmm. And when we're singing praises to him, he knows all of our names. And we're, that should make us excited every day. Yes. Um, not just because a star knows our name, but that the creator of the universe knows our name. It's kind of a little devotional. I like thing. that. I like that. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. We'll file that in the back. That's a keeper. Yeah. So next time you're worshiping and you're and you're speaking to the Lord, to to think about the fact that the Creator of the universe knows your name, and that should be just as ex- ex- exciting to us as being able to sing, you know, for our favorite star, or mm. that our favorite star would know our name. The Creator knows our name. So yes, and He calls you by name. And He calls you by name. Yes. Very cool. And he calls us his children yes. in Ephesians 1 and Romans 8. And we are adopted as his children. And he knows our names. We're not just nameless, faceless people to him. That he he longs to have a relationship with us. And um, I don't know. Just it's kind of something I've been reflecting on uh, as a result of Nikki's great fame. And hey, if anyone else has a hookup out there for The Voice, Let's get Nikki on the voice. Yes, we need like <laughs> Nikki on the voice.com. That's right. <laughs> yes. So that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. And we want to thank you for watching. Uh, those of you watching live as well as um, picking us up on the recording. And we will be back next week with a special next Easter week. edition yes. of all the things. And um, it's a tough topic talking about abortion. But hopefully we 
we did okay with it and um, bringing some perspectives and some hope and some healing yeah. to some people. And so, let us know your thoughts. Yeah. We would love to know, you know, your take on it. Um, yeah. How did you think we handled it? Yep. Let us know. Definitely. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Be sure to get connected with me on social media at theologymom.com, everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. And God willing, we will be back next week with a special conversation about the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you so much for watching. Bye-bye. Bye. There's nothing.